Welcome to Rock Solid Ministries Frontline Servants Program, where we visit with men and women on the front lines of kingdom service. For more information about our free revival ministry or to explore more of our audio and video recordings, visit our website at www.rocksolidministries.org. Again, rocksolidministries.org. My guest today is, I'm going to say retired with a question mark because he's really not. He'll tell us about that, I'm sure. Preacher Jerry Bliffin of Coal Run, Kentucky. Uh, Jerry, uh, I've had, I guess what you would call an acquaintance with your extended family for many years. Uh, I met your dad when he was president of Mid-South Christian College back in the 1970s, and I've had an occasion to be around you and your brothers, but have never had the opportunity to get to know any of you very well. You and I have greeted one another from time to time when I've been in eastern Kentucky for revivals or at preacher's gatherings in in this area, Uh, but uh, that's about it. You know, that's what I like about this podcast, though. I I get to know some wonderful servants of God in a whole new way, uh, and some that I've never really known at all. And I've really been looking forward to our time together. I've been thinking about contacting you while I was coming over to Martin, Kentucky for this revival and driving over here. Uh, I just didn't do it until I got here. But I'm glad you had time to sit down with me and and share with me. So, Jerry, tell us your story. Okay. Well, uh, I did retire uh, a year ago, Uh, now 67 years old. So I had been at Cold Run... um, for 30 years. Prior to that, I was at the Van Sant Church of Christ for 14 years. Where is that at? Van Sant is uh, just outside of Grundy, Virginia. Okay. So when I went there, I graduated from, uh, well, let me just back up. I grew up, uh, my dad, Jack Bliffin, uh, was a college administrator and professor at Kentucky Christian College for uh, he worked there for 10 years from 59 to 69. So I grew up in Grayson, Kentucky, uh, professor's kid on campus, and uh, loved Grayson. Uh, my best friends were uh, like Ken Gemeinhart and Steve Nash, and their dads were uh, rock solid <laughs> yeah. professors at uh, Kentucky Christian College, Don Nash and Tom Gemeinhart. So uh, anyway, we, we were all, you know, best of buddies, good friends, and uh, went to school together at Pritchard School in Grayson, a little small community, about 2,000 people live in Grayson. So that's where I grew up. And then in 69, we moved to Atlanta, Georgia, and that was after my freshman year of high school. So my last three years of high school, uh, I was at Headland High School where I graduated uh, in 72. My dad <clears throat> went to Atlanta to be uh, vice president of Atlanta Christian College. So he didn't serve in that position, but I think just one year, uh, worked for a short time for a Christian city outside of Atlanta. That's a retirement and, home? Yes. Right. And okay. Retirement and children's home. Okay. He didn't stay there very long, and then... Uh, he preached at the Central Christian Church, and uh, he was into different things. But anyway, when I left in the fall of 72 to go to college, I always knew I wanted to go to Kentucky Christian College. I wanted to go there to study the Bible and to play basketball <laughs> because that's what my family did. I, 
when I was a boy, I would watch my uncles play ball, and I always loved basketball. Still to this day, I love it. And uh, anyway, that's uh, uh, what I wanted to do. So uh, after three years, it took me a year or two to get acclimated after growing up in Grayson to, uh, to uh, the big city of Atlanta. But I did make friends, and, uh, you know, I, was, uh, I enjoyed my senior year of high school, but I had no desire to go to Atlanta Christian College. I wanted to go to Grayson. I wanted to go to KCC. I wanted to study the Bible and, and uh, play basketball. So that's what I did. And I met my wife there my freshman year, uh, Sheila Dameron, who grew up in this church here at Coal Run, the Coal Run Church of Christ. Her dad really? was the minister here. In fact, her dad, E.W. <coughs> Dameron, was the first full-time minister of the Coal Run Church of Christ. He uh, started in 1954, which was the year I was born, the year my wife Sheila was born. So uh, when Sheila was six months old, he became the first full-time minister of the Coal Run Church of Christ in the summer or the fall of 54 and stayed uh, and actually built this building. Uh, E.W. laid up the blocks on one side of the building and his father, Jerome Dameron, laid up the blocks on the other side. Really? And they met somewhere in the middle here, so... Is there a golden block somewhere, like the golden spike? <laughs> <laughs> well, I know there's a, there's a chief cornerstone. That's Jesus. <laughs> All right. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, they, uh, it's, it's quite remarkable because uh, Jerome Dameron, uh, E.W. grew up in a broken home. Uh, his, his parents divorced when he was just a little boy. And he had the privilege later in life, much later in life, to baptize both his mother and his father. They, they never remarried. They never got back together. But anyway, both Cora Dameron and Jerome Dameron were Christians, New Testament Christians, when they died. And, uh, but anyway, uh, so E.W. built this building. And then, uh, but I, let me back up just a little bit further about my dad. When my dad was a student at Kentucky Christian College, back in the late 40s, and he graduated, I think, in 51, either 50 or 51. I think it was 51 when he graduated. Um, he was a student minister of the Coal Run Church of Christ. And so the way he got here was he would either thumb a ride from Grayson to Ashland, or somebody would drive him that 20 miles from Grayson over to Ashland, he would get on a bus, and he he got enough money from preaching to pay pay his bus ticket. <laughs> so he would, he would ride that bus up here, the old old Route Twenty Three, long before we ever had a four lane out here, which we got a beautiful road out here now that goes to Ashland. But the curvy old Twenty Three is about down three, through the valleys. And, oh, oh yeah. over the mountaintops and through the valleys oh. and around the river and. But yeah, it was, uh, he said, I got sick almost every Saturday riding up here. And then he would stay uh, at a lady's house in the church. He said, when I came to Coal Run in 49, there were like two, two ladies, uh, Minnie Weddington and Opal Man, and a few children. And he said, you know, that's, that's what we started with. And uh, wow. course it, uh, so in 49, when 
My dad was preaching at Coal Run. My wife's parents, E.W. Mary Dameron, were being baptized in the Christ in March of 49 because they went to a revival at the Furls Creek Church of Christ outside of Elkhorn City. Yeah. And yeah. Kenus Hunt baptized Mary and E.W. into Christ in the Russell Fork of the Big Sandy in March of 49. I have a picture of it. Wow. They were both there arm in arm. And, what a history. Oh, yeah. So it was just so, so you know, coincidence that, and, and so E.W. started preaching at Furls Creek soon after he was converted. I mean, he came in 100%. And, you know, he had never graduated from high school. Before uh, before he, uh, well, I guess as soon as he was 18 years old in 1943, he joined the Navy right in the middle of World War II. And he went and served in the Navy over in uh, Australia, in Papua New Guinea, in the Admiralty Islands and the Solomon Islands. And now, here many, many years later, I have a brother, my brother Jim Bliffin, is a missionary to Papua New Guinea, working right. with Pioneer Bible Translators. And I'm, I'm going to interview him one of these days. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Jim, he, he's got quite a story, yeah. And my brother John as well. John, you know. Well, John's on my schedule for September. Okay, yeah. He's, my <laughs> so, brother John, is. Uh, I'm proud of both of my brothers. They have served Christ overseas, and they have uh, had you know, make me look like a slacker because they, they went out on the mission field and did the the hard work. And Well, you know, some people might consider Cole Run a mission field. Well, yeah, some people, <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, well, just, just from outside of looking in, you know. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, I went to KCC, met Sheila. She was marrying E.W.'s only, only child. And at that time, E.W. was the preacher at Cole Run. And so uh, we we dated for two years. We got married right before our junior year. So we lived in a little eight by forty two trailer the last two years of college on on campus. And I had weekend ministry. I was first. I was the uh, EW got me my first preaching position when I was nineteen. I just finished my freshman year, and I preached at the Shelby Church of Christ, which is. Uh, it's close to Ford's Branch, but anyway, it's it's here south of Pikeville, and I preached there for nine months, and then I became the youth minister of the Zebulon Church of Christ. The minister at that time was Bill Ford, so the two big Church of Christ preachers in Pike County back in the early 70s was Bill Ford at Zebulon and E.W. Dameron at Colrun, and they were really good friends, and they worked together. They plan, you know, tent revivals and uh, just work together. They work together and uh, starting uh, East Kentucky Bible Institute where they would have classes on Monday nights or Tuesday nights. Uh, it started out here at Coal Run and then they started having classes at other churches in the county. The Churches of Christ, uh, Christian Church Churches of Christ are really strong. Really yes. strong in this area. You're, you're close to West Virginia, yes. Virginia and, and Kentucky, and, and very strong. Not like yes. our area of the country in the Mid-South, where, right. you know, uh, not near as many, and people don't even know who we are there. But here, right. yes. you would find our, our churches everywhere. Yes, yeah, so we, uh, 
Yeah, most of them here go by Church of Christ. There is a little confusion because of the instrument, because, uh, you know, we do have a lot of non-instrumental churches of Christ. Right. And some of those, like, uh, that are non-instrumental, like Furls Creek, where I, where EW was converted, where I actually preached last last two Sundays, filled yeah. in for Billy Ford, Bill Ford's son, Billy, who's the minister at Furls Creek. They have never had instrument uh, a piano in their building. And they sing a cappella. However, they do allow guitars on occasion. Yeah, you know, like for night services, and, right. and so they're not they're not anti music. They just don't have a piano, and right. never have, and and uh, probably there would probably be some people upset if they were ever bring one in. I was <laughs> I was real excited last year. That I was scheduled for Furls Creek, and because of COVID. Uh, we rescheduled, I think, three or four times, and Brother Billy was so upset. He said, he would call me and say, well, the men are saying, no, we better not do it now. And we and so we, we ended up, I actually ended up going uh, over to Bluefield, West Virginia, and replacing it with a revival over there on a mountaintop that was just a wonderful revival. But I hate it because we've been planning to be with Brother Billy for like three years, because you know how far out we have to plan our revivals. And, right. Yeah. And I really hated that. I'm hoping one of these days we'll get to go back over there. I hope you will get to the Pearl's Creek. Well, wonderful people there. And uh, for years, you know, that was uh, where my father-in-law, E.W., became a Christian. And for many, many years, he would go almost every year. He would be invited back to be their homecoming speaker. Right. And usually in September or October, he would be their, their homecoming speaker. So... It's a lot of special memories there, and uh, for Sheila and for me, uh, I, I've actually I've I've preached there before. I don't think I did a whole revival, but maybe preached one night of a revival or something. But uh, I know every time I've gone to that church uh, for a revival service or any kind of a uh, a service, uh, I've always thoroughly enjoyed it, even though it's a cappella. I mean. Uh, but like I say, I have been in there where they had guitars and, and uh, <laughs> an upright bass and yeah. uh, mandolin and all that. <laughs> they had kind of bluegrass gospel music up there on the stage. And the first time I saw that, I was kind of shocked because I had never seen anything like that at Pearl Creek. But, uh, you know, and people who, who are not from this area may have a hard time understanding, even with your good four-lane highways now, uh, you can have a, a Church of Christ right here and three miles away, there's another one, but it, it takes you 15, 20 minutes to get there. Yeah. And for these communities, and I'd say yeah. we have we have uh, listeners in, in Western Europe. And I'd say, just Google Earth it. That's all I can tell yeah. you. <laughs> you <laughs> yeah. you got you to gotta see these mountains to yeah. understand what this yeah, is like here. We're in the Appalachian Mountains, and uh, we've kind of only, we've got our Eastern Kentucky accent, but uh, I guess it's an Appalachian accent because... It's similar, you know, in Southwest Virginia and in West Virginia, we're just, uh, we're hillbillies. So, uh, uh, I grew up in the foothills of the Bluegrass State, which is, uh, Grayson, but now I'm, I'm more in the mountains here. So anyway, um, uh, Sheila and I got married. We both graduated, uh, in 76 from KCC and I was planning to either be a, a preacher or a teacher, I, I'd been married for a, a couple years, well, over a year, but I still didn't know for sure what I was going to do, because I always kind of wanted to, I've always been interested in history, uh, 
And so at KCC, I majored in Bible, I minored in Greek and in history, and wanted to be perhaps a history teacher and, uh, and a basketball coach. <laughs> so I you know, was thinking along those lines, but uh, when, uh, when it, toward the end of my senior year, uh, people on campus, uh, the administrators, uh, said, now there's, there's churches needing preachers and there's uh, churches needing youth ministers. And I'd been a youth minister for the Zebulon Church of Christ. And then that was in 74. And then in 75, I left Zebulon. I served there for a year, uh, you know, just on weekends, on Sundays. And then 75, January of 75 through the first half of 76, I was youth minister here at Coal Run. So I'd, I'd come over here, and uh, also during most of that time, uh, I would teach junior church at the Pikeville Church of Christ, which was uh, the Pikeville Church of Christ, I think, started in 71. Today it's called Cornerstone Christian Church, and the reason why they changed their name was the confusion of the Pikeville Church of Christ with the Main Street Church of Christ, which is non-instrumental. Right. And sometimes people would come in their church, uh, the Pikeville Church of Christ, and they'd hear the instrument or see it, and they would say, you yep. know, this isn't right. And uh, they say, oh, you want Main Street, and it's just <laughs> two blocks away, you know. So anyway, they, they changed their name to uh, Cornerstone Christian Church. But during the uh, 75 and 76 I would uh, teach Sunday school either at Zebulon or Coal Run. I would get in my car and I would drive 15 minutes into town and I would teach junior church for the Pikeville Church of Christ, which I love doing that. I love working with the, that age children. You know, this would be kids like, I don't know, kindergarten, first grade, up through maybe fifth grade, something like that. And I would teach them the five-finger plan of salvation. And uh, I used flannel graph and the, the Christian armor, the Christian yeah. soldier. And we would memorize Bible verses. And it was those kids were uh, just a delight. You know, we would, uh, there would be uh, one of the teenage girls at the Pikeville Church of Christ would take care of them till I got there. And they would lead them in, you know, songs and courses. Yeah and do things, take care of them until I got there. So I'd get there about, I would leave Sunday school about five minutes till 11, and I would be up there about 10 minutes after 11. And then I would have them, you know, wow. to the end. And then I would come back on, on Sunday night at six o'clock. I would have a youth meeting with the teenagers, either at Zebulon or Colerun. And then they would have the seven o'clock service and then at 8 o'clock, when church was over, I would drive back to Grayson. And usually we didn't get away till oh, 8.30 or 9. And it was a two-hour drive to get back to Grayson. So I wouldn't get back on campus uh, on Sunday nights until like 11. And then uh, some, a lot of times I had an 8 o'clock class the next morning. And uh, Well, what did you do during your spare times? What, well, I think everybody's interested in your, in your oh, spare yeah, time. Well, that, well, see, I played basketball, too. Uh, so that was, that was I remember uh, one, my senior year, I sprained my ankle in February uh, playing a team we shouldn't have been playing. They were going to beat us like a drum anyway. I think it was Campbellsville. <laughs> 
But anyway, I, I came down on somebody's foot and sprained my ankle really bad. I could not, it was my right ankle. I couldn't drive. I had to prop my foot up in the back seat of the car and my wife had to drive me up here to, to coal run so I could do my, you know, my lessons for the next day. So I was, I was ready, but it, it was unusual oh. to have a Saturday night game. Normally, you know, right. we would have Friday night games or Thursday night games, but it was for some reason we had a Saturday night game. And, uh, so I sprained my ankle really bad and, I, I couldn't sleep all that night, and I got up the next morning to try to go to church, and uh, I was on crutches, and I just got so nauseated. I hadn't slept all night, and then my stomach got sick, and I just had to go back to bed, and uh, I went to the emergency room that afternoon, got an x-ray to see if it was broken, and it wasn't. But anyway, that was... Uh, I finished the basketball season. I was out for two weeks, and this was already in February. So I was out for two more weeks. And then uh, when I came back to play the, the remaining games, uh, my ankle was taped up almost like a cast, so I I couldn't do as good, you know. It's, uh, I wanted to quit. Yeah. <laughs> I was ready to quit. We weren't going to win any games. <laughs> anyway, so, uh, but EW, my father-in-law said, no, you started it. You can't quit. You you finish out the season. I said, okay, I will. <laughs> but I didn't really want to. But anyway, uh, but I did enjoy playing basketball, except for when I had a sprained ankle. Uh, so anyway, yeah, I was I was busy because I had a work-study program on campus. So uh, Sheila, her work-study was she was a secretary for Dick Dameron. And so she graded tests and typed letters and typed whatever he needed her to do. Uh, she would uh, work for him. And um, I had uh, the four years I was at Bible College, my freshman year, I was an intramural sports officer or referee. My second year, I was a resident assistant in the dorm. My third year, I bust tables in, in the cafeteria cleaned up that was and uh, my last year I worked in the bookstore so I, I like that one so <laughs> I liked working all in the this was to help pay your way through college help pay my way through college so I was blessed because of uh, EOG grants and my work study I was able to uh, graduate both of us Sheila and me we graduated debt free oh nice so we've yeah. been married two years We'd lived in this little tiny trailer. We were cold in the winter. We were hot in the summer, but we survived, and uh, we uh, graduated debt-free, and the first thing when what, I... What year would that be? So I graduated. We got married in 74, graduated in 76, went, and then I went to the Van Sant Church of Christ, and okay. the first thing I did was buy a car and go in debt. I'd been <laughs> married for two years and had never been in debt. Oh, well, you, you need to get that started sometime down the <laughs> Yeah, so I'll, I'll tell you how I was able to get married. My dad gave me the 67 Buick that he was actually my mother's car. He said, Jerry, you can have that car because you've got a ministry. and You've got to get back and forth to your ministry on the weekends. So you drive that. And, and so when Sheila and I wanted to get married, I said, Dad, we've got this trailer. We've saved up money. We can buy this trailer. 
and uh, live in it for two years. I said, uh, we've got everything worked out financially except a, a car. He said, well, if you've got everything else worked out financially, you can have that car for a wedding gift for me and your mom. And uh, so it lasted me those two years. And by the time I, uh, I went to Van Sant, the car had a burnt valve and it was... I ended up selling it for two hundred dollars, <laughs> and I bought me a car and went in debt for a thousand dollars or whatever to to buy a car. So anyway, uh, the Van Sant Church of Christ is where I s- served for the first fourteen years of my full time ministry. Fourteen years—that's that's really good for anybody, but especially good for someone just yeah. out of Bible college. I know I was twenty-two years old. And wow. I, I only had one or two good sermons to my name. And now all of a sudden, uh, you know, because I've been a youth minister. I right. had got a lot of good youth classes and, you know, I could teach. But preaching was different. And so uh, I had preached some, but, you know, not a lot. When I was 19 preaching at the Shelby Church of Christ, I didn't know what I was doing. Mm-hmm. I felt sorry for those people who had to listen to me. But anyway, uh, we... Uh, we started, and uh, so all of a sudden, I was preaching Sunday morning, Sunday night, and teaching a class on Wednesday night. Mm-hmm. And so I had to spend a lot of time studying and yeah. pre- preparation. And then, of course, there were hospital calls, and you know. But I was blessed to be in Buckhannon County because uh, the the churches up there, Van Sant, Little Prater, Poplar Creek, and Grundy. And then there were others. There was Big Branch and Big Rock and a lot of other churches. But those were the four main ones that were within like five miles of Grundy. Those four main churches. And I became friends with those ministers and they were mentors to me. I was 22 years old. Well, there's Clarence Greenleaf at the Grundy Church. Oh, sure. Yeah. There's Mike Trent at the Little Prater Church of Christ. And there was Jim Byers at Poplar Creek. And those guys became my best friends. You know? That's where that's where you really learn. Oh yeah! I, I wish the oh, young ministers yeah. today would realize that that the best way to learn, uh, besides doing it yourself, yeah, is sitting watching down with them. watching these guys and sitting listening down, to them. You you go yeah. to a, if there's a preacher's gathering, which they don't have them like they used to. But right. Well, we did. We had preachers yeah, meetings once yeah. a month. I, I used to always have a because uh, I started preaching uh, my first church when I was eighteen, and when I I guess I was 21 when I went to my first preacher's meeting. A little nervous about that, you know, all yeah. these learned guys. Yeah. And I found myself every meeting sitting with the old guys. Yeah. And they told the same story again. That was okay. Yeah. Because they're the ones I learned from. Sure. That's that's where I got my education. Yeah. yeah. So they, they, they took me under their wing and they would give me advice. You know, I'd ask them questions and tell them about situations at Van Sant. And <laughs> they, you know... The preachers could, could vent on each other, you know. Oh, we, sure. We could share things with each other we couldn't share with anybody else. Uh, you do realize uh, who the old guys are now. Me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to say us. <laughs> oh, yeah, us. Yeah, us. Me yeah. And you. <laughs> yeah, I'm 67 now. So so I was there for 14 years, and then uh, we, had our, we had ups and downs. We had some really great years at our youth camp. I, there were years that I would go to our camp, which... The Church of Christ Youth Camp is on Baldwin Mountain, and the closest church to our youth camp is the Van Sant Church of Christ. Oh, okay. So 
I would go up there is just, uh, you know, just driving up the mountain, go up Dry Fork, and then go to the top of the mountain, and you're there. Uh, the camp manager was Larry Fields, and he was a deacon at the Van Sant Church. So we mm-hmm. became really, we're still today, really good friends. Larry and Sandy Fields, two of the most wonderful people, you know, God put on the earth. And he was a camp manager up there for like 33 years and did a wonderful job. And we, but we had some outstanding weeks of camp. I, for many years, I was an assistant dean and I served under EW. EW would be the dean, I would be the assistant oh. dean. So uh, as it gradually went along, you know, I planned more and more of the week, I actually. And then, of course, Ultimately, I became the dean of, uh, so I've been a dean of junior week, first-timers retreat, uh, intermediate week, junior high week, senior week, and finally I've worked my way up. I'm now dean of the National Prayer Clinic, oh, which wow. is, yeah. you don't call them dean, you call them chairman. Right. So I'm the chairman of the National Prayer Clinic, and we'll have our 50th year this year. Something I've always wanted to go to and have never been in the area or right. not busy, where I could go. Right, yeah. you're, you're preaching revival yeah. somewhere. But it, this year it's October the uh, 12th through the 14th, and we have, uh, it's our 50th anniversary year. We It was going to be last year, we had to cancel because of COVID. Right. But this year is our uh, 50th anniversary. So is it, is it like the same week of the month every year? Yes, it's always, uh, we always start on the second Tuesday. I think there was one exception, but it's supposed to be starting on the second Tuesday of October. And it goes through Thursday. And it goes through Thursday. So, yeah, originally we started it on Tuesday night. Now we start on Tuesday afternoon. It used to go from Tuesday night through Thursday night, but so many guys were leaving out on Thursday afternoon, so we said we'll start on Tuesday afternoon with our first session at 3, and then close out, have one session after lunch on Thursday, and then dismiss and... You know, that way everybody can leave and it's still daylight. Well, you know, that might work for me if I ever have that week free because right. the second Friday of every October, uh, we co-sponsor with Mid-South Christian College uh, a preacher's appreciation dinner uh, at, at the college. Okay. And yeah. uh, if I can ever get that week free, and you know October, it fills up before any other month for an oh, evangelist. But if I ever get that week free, I can yeah. come and I can make it back. To mid south, September and, and, and October, a big revival. Yeah, I, I miss a as, lot of the banquets. As are, uh, as are uh, April and May in the spring. Yeah, a lot of revivals. Yeah. In April October and May. goes first, and then yeah. and then usually March. Yeah, and then September and May, uh, September and April. Yeah, uh, follow suit. And right. uh, people say we want to book you for revival yeah. uh, next October, or they'll, yeah. they'll call Kristen in the office. And say we want we want Tom, we want Greg in October. And she'll say, "You, you are you talking in five years, <laughs> or six? Well, six years now, I think. Yeah, but wow. but anyway, those, those just go. But yeah, fill up. But right once in a while, one opens up, and we yeah. don't get a chance to book someone else. I, yeah. I'd really like to make it to prayer. Is there a, is there a website or anything where someone yeah. can go to? Yeah. Or, the, why don't w- you share that with us right now? Okay, the website is just www.nationalprayerclinic.com. Com, I think dot com. I believe yes, yeah, dot com. You're gonna look it up there. Go ahead. Dude. Yeah, but it's uh, 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 anyway. And uh, it's in Grundy. It's at it's at the national. It's at the uh, Church of Christ Youth Camp, and it is the website is 
Yeah, www.nationalprayerclinic.com. And it's right. Right, it's right there. You can Google it right. and it comes up and it gives you our schedule and um, uh, the website includes, you know, who our speakers are for this year and everything. Well, I would say to our listeners, if you've never heard of it, look it up because yeah. I've heard of it for years and yeah. I've, I've never heard of anything but good about oh, yeah. it. It's, and, it's and really I encourage great, our listeners to consider going. It's a great, uh, it's a great meeting and uh, it. It was a dream of uh, Preacher Greenleaf. He wanted to have a, a meeting, kind of like the Kaimichi Clinic, but he his dream was, what is it in the restoration movement that we haven't restored? We've restored, you know, baptism for the remission of sins. We've restored the Lord's Supper on the Lord's Day, uh, giving and a lot of the things that, you know, we, we found in the New Testament, but have we restored prayer? Oh. He said, that's one thing that we can all improve on. Uh, we need to have more prayer. And uh, so he he said, we're going to have a prayer clinic. And we're, all the messages are on prayer. Okay. So I've heard <laughs> over the years, I've, uh, out of the 50 years, I've attended like 45 years of... Uh, wow. And I've heard a lot of sermons on prayer. And uh, I've heard the same text... You know, right. but every preacher uh, is different. Sure. So it's uh, a lot of really, really good messages on prayer. And it's uh, it's been a really uh, a great blessing. Thinking back down through the years, uh, Don DeWelt was one of the greatest men in our brotherhood on, on prayer. And, of course, Clarence Greenleaf, who founded it. And, and the prayer clinic, uh, at one time, it grew to the... It grew to almost 500 men, and then it uh, it started dwindling. And then when Preacher Greenleaf died in 2004, it went down. You know, because he was the spark plug. Right. And we've had you know other chairmen uh, before me, but and then I took over in 2015. So this will be my fifth or sixth year of being the the chairman of the prayer clinic. But. Uh, one thing Greenleaf did back in the 80s when I was at Van Sant, uh, he made me his co-chairman. And uh, I don't know why he wanted me to be his co-chairman, but uh, I guess he knew he couldn't do it forever. But uh, he still planned the whole thing. I, I was just a figurehead. You know, I would preside at one of the sessions and uh, he would talk to me about you know speakers that we could get. But, you know, he made all the decisions and did everything. <laughs> he, he knew more people than I did, but I did know some. And, and I, I would give him some ideas, you know, people in my family. So he's had my dad up there. He had my Uncle Sheldon Thomas was up there and different ones that, uh, you know, I would suggest. And I'd tell him some people I didn't think he should get. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, uh, but we were really good friends. And uh, so... Uh, Anyway, so I was at Van Sant all those years. Well, in EW, my father-in-law was still preaching at Colerun. When he turned 65 in 1990, he said, I'm going to retire uh, at age 65. And so, again, uh, he retired from the full-time ministry at Colerun, but he stayed here. And in fact, after about three or four years, he became an elder here, which was fine with me. I mean... Uh, because we got along great. I mean, he 
Uh, some would say, you know, that's not, you, the previous minister is still there. You know, shouldn't he move on and give you some space? I said, no, he was he was a helper to me. We did, I don't know how many revi- uh, funerals together. Right. Oh, countless. And, and the way we had, uh, approached the funeral, you know, he was the one to baptize them. And, you know, I was the new guy on the block there for, you know, the first five or ten years. And I say, you know, E.W., do, how do you want to do the funeral? It doesn't matter to me. Because usually there's two services. There's a night service and a day service. Right. And we would be at both of them. Uh, but he would, uh, sometimes he would do the night service, I would do the day. And, and, and then the funeral service itself, one would be the main speaker, the other would do the obituary, scripture, and prayer. Right. So we did uh, countless funerals like that. We, we never had a problem. We got I, I have never been bothered with former preachers coming back and doing weddings and funerals. Oh, because yeah. I feel like they, they knew these people, they sure. baptized them, they... Uh, it never bothered, particularly never bothered when they came back to do weddings. Yeah, oh yeah, I'm glad to, I don't care if I ever do another wedding. That, that, you know, that people, think it's strangest thing. Yeah. people think it's the strangest thing that preachers would say that I would rather do 10 funerals than one wedding. And it's not that we want anybody to die, but, but weddings are not easy like people think that yeah. they might be. They're, they're joyous occasions. Yeah. But they're hard work for a preacher because yeah. you, you a lot of times you've got to please the bride. Yeah. You've got to please the bride's mother. Yeah. <laughs> and then sometimes you've got the groom's mother who's got a few words to put yeah. in there. And used to, the grooms didn't care. They just came yeah. along and get married. But now it seems like the grooms get really and every involved. wedding, like every funeral, they're a little different. You know, every yeah. funeral's a little different, of course, and every wedding's a little different. And you don't do as many weddings as you do funerals. Right. So it's a little more, it's a little more nerve-wracking i guess but you know and, I, I always think you it, have a rehearsal and you have to go through that yeah and you, you do the <laughs> rehearsal you know and and uh, and i don't mind doing a rehearsal if i'm doing the rehearsal but if they have a wedding planner it just oh, drives yeah. me oh, J- yeah. just just let That's me right. say i'm going to do this do that i'm going home and you keep it here for three hours <laughs> yeah. if you want to. but you know you can get up there and i can say walk down the aisle one time yeah. walk back walk out then walk back so you know what you're doing a lot of times and, they want to go through it twice yeah go through so it you twice end up being there like you say two or three hours yeah, and trying to get everything ready yeah. for that ceremony because Sunday's always late you yeah. can't start practice until everybody's there that's right so yeah, yeah it's a headache but you know with the, with the, with the funeral really you, you're just concerned for the family first of all the, the person whose funeral you're doing they don't care how you do it you right. know they, they're yeah. not bothered with yeah. but but the people there you just want to give them hope you want to sure. you, you want to give them peace comfort and, peace, and comfort so. and and that's right. something that I feel called to do. Sure. And 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 uh, I don't I don't know. A lot of times I've done a lot of weddings. There wasn't a lot of there wasn't a lot of peace. And sometimes I thought there wasn't a whole lot of hope. But but we we did the best we could do. But yeah. funerals, um, you know, it's just n- nobody is worried about you did this right or this wrong. Usually they're just trying to get through it. They're right. just trying to deal with it. So, um, but anyway, we got off on that. But how did you end up? Uh, you kind of jumped from from that that ministry to that all of a sudden you're here, right. but how did that process happen? Where that, that process where you moved from there to here? Well, what, when what he happened retired. was uh, I I had been discouraged like every preacher. You you know things some years are not as good as others, and um, so you know and I've been there 14 years. So wonderful people, but. Uh, I was ready for a change and needed it 
And I felt like, you know, the church there needed uh, somebody new. So, uh, and where I I was ordained in uh, 76, right before I went to Van Sant, I was ordained at Coal Run by the eldership here. I'd been the youth minister here for a year and a half. A lot of ties here. My wife's, you know, we made many trips to to Coal Run to to visit her parents. Uh, My children were born in Pikeville because uh, at the time that my children were were being born, uh, they weren't birthing babies in Buchanan County. Really? No, there was a Grundy Hospital, but the people at Grundy, most of them would go to Richlands, Virginia, to uh, have their babies. Well, we came to Pikeville because, you know, it's about, it's a little further than Richlands, but, you know, this is where her, uh, Sheila was born here in Pikeville, and Sheila's uh, mom and dad lived here, and so uh, the last week of her pregnancy, she just stayed here in Pikeville with her mom and dad, and when it came time to go to the hospital, you know, she was close to the hospital, (laughs) and uh, of course, I was here uh, both times that our children were born. But uh, coming to Coal Run was like when E.W. retired, um, I was one of the first ones, you know, they, they contacted. They wanted, they wanted me to, uh, to be their minister. So they, um, E.W. was retiring in the summer of uh, 1990, and uh, they contacted me, I think, in December of 89, or in January of 90, uh, you know, six months ahead. And they said, you know, EW's retiring. We'd like for you to consider coming. And I said, yeah, you know, I would be interested in doing that. So, of course, you'll have to preach a trial sermon, which I did, in I think, in April. And uh, got, you know, I got the percentage, whatever. I think I had to have 75% of the vote, 75 or 80%. And I got that, so uh, barely. (laughs) So anyway, I got that, and uh, so then we moved here. My first Sunday at at Van Sant was the Bicentennial Sunday, July 4th, 1976. And most of the men in the church at Van Sant had grown a beard for the Bicentennial of our nation. Mm -hmm. And so all these guys had beards. And then the next Sunday, July the 11th, (laughs) Uh, yeah, they had their beards shaved off. So it's like I had a whole different congregation. <laughs> but, and actually, a lot of the men looked better with a beard on. But, but anyway, it was uh, that was so that was my first Sunday at Vansant. My first Sunday at Colrun was July first, nineteen ninety, and then my last Sunday was July fourth or fifth, July fifth of uh, twenty twenty. After 30 years. And, then, and we hired uh, Trey Mouton to be uh, our next minister. So he's been here a year now. He's done great. And it was a hard year because 2020 was terrible. I mean, oh, you know, yeah. uh, churches were actually shut down. Uh, there, were, there were weeks, I guess, in March or April where we could only have 10 people in the building. And so we had 10 people in the building. That was our leadership. But we had to do it, you know, on Facebook. So we were on Facebook, Facebook Live. We did also YouTube. 
Then uh, we started having services uh, last year, I think on Easter Sunday. We started having two services on Easter Sunday out in our parking lot. And we have a, a side porch out here on the side of our building that made a, an ideal location for a pulpit area. It was elevated and then the cars could park out through there. And we had a 9.30 service and 11 o'clock service and did the same service both times. And uh, so we did that for like six or six or eight weeks. And then finally we came back into the building and, you know, wearing masks and social distancing, we uh, had to do all of that. But in the midst of all that, we, we hired Trey, and he he came here with his family, uh, his wife, and four children, and they're all musically talented. So instantly we had, you know, great additions to our praise team. Yeah. Uh, both of his sons play the guitar, and his one son, Josh, plays the guitar and the keyboard. And they can all sing. The whole family can sing. And uh, so, and, and Trey is a great preacher and we get along great and he's, we see eye to eye on everything. And uh, since I have retired, I've, I've preached at uh, Poplar Creek, uh, Elkhorn City, Furls Creek, Crooked Creek. A lot of creeks around here. Yeah, and, and the East Point Church of Christ. So, you know, I've preached like five different churches. Do you have any Sundays where you're not preaching? Are, they, yeah, are you I pretty do. much you pretty much? Yeah, I do. Uh, a lot of Sundays I'm not preaching. I'm not scheduled anywhere, and I'll be right here at Cole Run. Either the we still have a nine thirty service and a, an eleven o'clock service. So, uh, and I've done a lot of communion meditations uh, here. Mm-hmm. And I'm here most Wednesday nights too. Right. So I'm still here. Now I was. I'm trying to do the math. Did you? Did you retire the same age as your father-in-law retired? He was 65. I was 66. Okay. I yeah. I, I thought maybe we missed it by a year there, but yeah, I yeah. was thinking you kind of followed suit. I, I followed suit. He was 65, and then EW when we were building our new building in 2009, uh, he had a stroke and died just all of a sudden. Uh, and we were right in the process of building our new building mm. and uh, had a stroke and died in uh, the end of October of 2009. So when he died, uh, his uh, his wife Mary became our primary responsibility because she was only child. So okay. uh, fortunately, they lived right across. We were still living in the parsonage and they lived right across the, the highway up on the hill from the uh, church building here. And Mary was fine in the daytime by herself, but didn't want to be home alone at night. So every night about nine o'clock, we would go over there and stay all night with her. And then the next morning I would come back to the parsonage. Usually I'd come back and take a shower and I kept all my clothes at the parsonage. And, you know, I would, didn't change me, my lifestyle much, you know, just going over there at night and then coming back in the morning. But, um, then when Mary died, she died in 14, we inherited that house. So uh, we had two options. We could stay in the parsonage, which is behind the church building. It's got a parking lot all the way around it and a basketball court and the city park and the church building. Or we could be over there on the hill where it's private. Uh, I wonder what you did. <laughs> so we moved over there. <laughs> yeah, we moved over on the hill. and uh, So you didn't you have know, to move when you retired. You were no, there. I was already moved over there. Oh, so, okay. yeah, it all, you know, we, we chose to live over there. 
and uh, made improvements on the house and put a front porch on it, screened in front porch and did some other things to the inside of the house. And so we're very happy there. Uh, we love it. We're not, you know, Cole Run is my home. I've been here 31 years. I don't plan to move. I, but since I've retired, I've been to Florida three times. I've been to Little <laughs> Beach twice. I've been to Tennessee multiple times. So we're doing some traveling, getting to be with my family more. My dad, yeah, my dad is 91. He still preaches at the Yalaha Community Church every Sunday night. Uh, his name is Jack Blithen. And we were just talking. I'm going to try my best to uh, to interview, interview him. him. Yeah, I've wanted. He's been on my mind. And yeah. uh, I've just got to get a phone he, he was president one time at Mid-South Christian College. He was the first one that ever invited me to speak at a Bible college. Oh, and wow. here I was, a young man who just started preaching right out of high school. And wow. just uh, did the School of Hard Knocks type thing. Yeah, that was and, back in uh, the 70s. Yeah. And took me into the bookstore as a and, as a gift and, and let me pick any book I wanted. And I had no idea what to pick. So he picked out uh, Life of Christ by Edersheim for me. So, and gave that book to you. Yeah. That yeah. was so nice. Yeah. Yeah. And I've never forgotten that. That was a very kind thing of him to do. Yeah. And, so Dad has influenced a lot yeah. of preachers uh, through the years, certainly. The, he's the biggest influence on me being a preacher. Uh, the, the number one influence, of course, is my dad. Number two influence would be my father-in-law. Yeah. And both of them served the church at Colerun. Wow. So. Well, now tell me, the, the Coal Run is really part of Pikeville, is that right? Yeah, or is it a well, separate city? Or it's a it... separate city. Uh, they share a common border. Right. Uh, but yeah, Coal Run is a suburb of Pikeville. Right. Now, me being a city commissioner for 21 years at Coal Run, I said, I would say that Pikeville is a suburb of Coal Run, <laughs> and Coal Run is the hub of the universe. Right, okay. But everything revolves around Coal Run. So what's your population <laughs> in, in the general area here? Okay, uh, I think the city of Coal Run, we've expanded our territory, we've expanded our borders, and I think we've got uh, 1,700 people now mm. live inside the city limits of Coal Run Village. And, and your, your Sunday attendance here at... at the At the church, uh, we're running in the 170s now. Right. Yeah, about 170. Uh, and it's pretty well split between the two services. The, nine, the 930 service might have uh, 70, uh, you know, from 50 to 70. And then the, the 11 o'clock service is more. It might have uh, 90 to 110. Right. So just, you know. Uh, but it has been, you know, that way you can socially distance. If you don't want to be close to anybody, just sit down front. There's yeah. plenty, nobody, <laughs> nobody sits down Nobody, down, nobody yeah. around you down front, you know. Yeah. The back, you know, fills up first. Right. But if you want if you want uh, social distance, you can do that in our church, you know. But And it was so hard for us uh, to not greet with a hug or a handshake, you know. But, you know, we had hand sanitizer and all that and. But we, you know, we would just uh, fist bump or bump elbows or just wave at each other. We uh, we didn't shake hands very a whole lot in 2020. That was sad. But we're doing yeah. it now. Yeah. <laughs> we I, I, you know, I I went through the time, right or wrong, and but I'll say it right here on the air that I told people if you need a hug, I'll hug you, and with or without your mask, if you need a hug, because. Uh, and I was telling the story last night at church that in one revival, uh, a, a little lady came up to me and she said, Tom, I need a hug. 
it was, it was probably January of, of this year, she said, nobody, uh, or it was late fall last year, she said, nobody has touched me in months. Oh. And she said, I live alone. And so we hugged that night without a mask, yeah. and we hugged every evening before and after church. That's good. And uh, I keep saying there's a reason that God said, uh, that God's word says, forsake not the assembly. Oh, yeah. And, and uh, I even spoke last night to the people watching us on YouTube uh, right. from the Martin Church that if, if you're from somewhere else, that's great. We're glad you're here. But if you're in this area and you're watching on YouTube because you don't want to get ready and come down here, get down here tomorrow night because right. we need you. Right. Uh, we need to see you. Exactly. We need your fellowship. We and the people just out be there watching come. need to be there. Yeah, they yeah. need. Yeah, they we need, need the social interaction yeah. with other people. Uh, it, it's, God created us to be social people. To you know, he he wanted families and communities and churches and congregations. He created all of that. Well, I keep telling people, you know, the old <laughs> for a reason. As a preacher, you know the old illustration of of taking the the coal out of the fire. And yeah. sitting outside, That's how right. it goes cold, yes. and and all the other coals they're still hot. Right. Well, have you, have, have you ever turned on YouTube and, and seen one of these great fireplaces on your TV? You know the YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever bought a log in and sit in front of the TV while that's going on and see if it'll catch on fire? <laughs> it it doesn't. And the same thing if you're watching church services on TV. I mean, if you can't, I'm thankful it's there now. I think we've got the technology and and this pulled so many of our churches into the 21st century. I'm thankful that people who cannot get there because of physical or age or whatever the limit might be, I'm thankful they have a way to, to hear the word of God. But if you're able, you're not going to catch on fire sitting there watching it. You need to get out of your jammies right. and get to church exactly. and, and, and be there and, and shake hands with people and give them a hug. Right. If you don't feel like doing that, okay, I respect that. I sure. No problem. And I, I told the people at Pearls Creek last Sunday, I said, uh, you know, I respect the people who who are afraid and, you know, they don't want to get sick in their latter years and all that. I, but I said, I decided, you know, when the pandemic hit, I'm going to go to church. I'm not going to go if I'm sick. No. I did I did get sure. sick. I had the virus and I stayed home for two weeks. Sure. But I couldn't wait to get back. Well, I wouldn't go if I had pneumonia, you know. No, I, I mean, you know, if I've sure, got a bad yeah. cold or, you know, if I'm... Don't want to give it to somebody season, else. Yeah, I'll wear, I'll wear a mask if I go. But, uh, and so I did, you know, we wore masks and everything, but I'm not going to live in fear if I... No. And if I, if I am healthy and strong, I'm going to go to church if I can. Right. Well, you know, uh, you know Hebrews 9.27 says, it is a point under men wants to die. Right. And and uh, that's why, again, I was telling this last night, I, I, I said, everybody's shouting, oh, we're all going to die. Well, why are you so surprised? I mean, the yeah. Bible said that. <laughs> we started going to church because we found out we we're going to die. Now we quit going to church because we're afraid we're going to die? <laughs> no, let's not do that. Let's, let, you know, let's, let's it, this is how God takes me out. You know, he'll take me out this way or a car wreck or as much exactly. you know, however it One is. One way or the other, uh, we're leaving. Uh, I, I prefer to go here. peacefully, but, you know, I go yeah. however he wants but uh, our time has just flown by, yeah. and, and, and we're going to have to wrap this up pretty quick. But yeah. having been a long-term minister and two long-term ministries, and uh, any, any final thoughts or words of wisdom for anybody who might be listening who might be going to the ministry or in the ministry? Yeah. Just any, I know I was just throwing it out to you cold there. But. Well, I would just encourage, we need more preachers. Amen. It is discouraging, but if you win one person to Christ, it's worth it. Yeah. 
And I've had the blessing of baptizing a lot of people into Christ. And that that makes my day, that makes my week, that might make my month, that might make my whole year. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, the rewards uh, are worth the the sacrifice, the disappointments, the aggravations. Uh, people, a lot of, I've had a lot of problem people through the years, and it can be very discouraging, but the good always outweighs the bad. Yes. And it's in the dark times and in the discouraging and the hard times. It gets, it makes you stronger, gets you closer to the Lord, and it makes you, it keeps you humble, and it keeps you, you know, focused. So, uh, yeah, I just uh, encourage everybody who may be listening to, to serve the Lord with gladness and do it every day. Uh, you never know when your last day is coming. No. Well, you know what? I, I've been delighted to visit with you and, and, and to know your history with this church. I had no idea. Yeah. And I am going to work very hard at uh, getting to, to your brothers and your and your dad. And as I've said, I've planned, I, I spoke with your brother over at Mid-South the other day, and, and we're, we are planning on getting together uh, this fall for, for uh, an interview. And as our listeners know, a lot of times I interview, and it's a month or two before they come out because we try to. I stay will here. mention one more thing. Okay, do that. I am for the last ten months or a year now. I've been writing a book, and uh-huh. it's uh, and my brother John wrote a song back in two thousand called "A Legacy of Faith," and it's about our family. The Legacy of Faith started with our grandparents, and uh, so the title of the book is "A Legacy of Faith: The Bliffin Family." I'm starting with my grandparents, Ralph and Alita Bliffin, and then my dad and all his siblings. He had four brothers, four sisters, and and their families, uh, more specifically my family. So I'm, I'm going to have like 19 chapters in the book. Wow. So uh, I've done a lot of research, and uh, I'm about to get it ready, and I'm going to get it published. So. Um, when I hope to I hope to have it out by the end of this year. When it's done, let me know because okay. I, I definitely want to get that. I love to read books just like that, yeah. so please do let me know, I will. And, and we'll maybe we can put that through our our uh, Facebook page on our uh, and MeWe. I, I want to say MeWe. We're on MeWe now. We're doing a lot of <laughs> MeWe and and trying to do less Facebook. But uh, anyway, again, I want to thank you for being with us and our listeners. If this podcast has encouraged you, perhaps it'll encourage your friends and co-workers in Christ, so please share it with them. And until next time, this is Evangelist Tom Weaver saying goodbye, and may God pour down his blessings on you like a Mississippi rain.